Have you ever walked past a newly surfaced road, perhaps around the corner from your house, and wondered as you look at the smooth surface and brightly painted markings, when will that next be resurfaced? Other small roads in the area are uneven, cracked and filled with potholes. The new road stands out with a sheen-like polished jet. It's grippy and nice to drive on. But you may have wondered if you would live to see it happen again. It's a sobering thought, but in England, you probably won't. If you live down a side street, on average, your road will be resurfaced every 119 years. Yes, 119 years. Think about that. 119 years ago, the country was mourning the loss of Queen Victoria. Your side road is probably what's known as an unclassified road. The others are non-principal roads, which distribute traffic between urban and regional locations. Resurfaced every 55 years in England. You might see this happen again if you eat well and exercise. And principal roads, which are known in the UK as motorways or A-roads. These are basically freeways for our international listeners. Every 33 years, you'll probably get to drive on fresh black stuff more than once. This is not just a maudlin exploration of mortality. For an asset as long-term and as vast as a road network, it is sometimes easy to forget that it is not permanent. It needs to be maintained, it needs to be repaired, and eventually, it needs to be totally renewed. If not, it can become dangerous. This burden in the UK falls primarily on local highway authorities, which have to maintain some 204,600 miles or 329,300 kilometres of roads. That's 97.3% of the total England and Wales road network. 97.3% of the total road network and an asset value estimated by the Department of Transport to be 400 billion pounds, or 530 billion US dollars. This excludes something called the Strategic Road Network, which is managed centrally by Highways England and mainly covers arterial motorways between major cities. But 70% of all asphalt laid in this country goes to this far larger so-called local network. So, as we now move to the part of the episode where we scare you with numbers, it is this local network that we will focus on. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Rian Owen. In this episode, we have partnered with Shell to learn about a new trial project that could revolutionise the durability of the UK's deteriorating roads, where maintenance budgets comprise a smaller bite of a smaller slice of a smaller cake of government spending. Local authorities struggle to make up for central funding shortfalls, and as the maintenance backlog piles up, it becomes clear that reactive maintenance costs much, much more than preventative. Contractors and suppliers are being asked to do more with less. But if we are struggling to resurface rows more frequently, we are left with one option. We need to extend the life of our roads, improve their lifespan so we don't need to resurface them so frequently. And early in the new year, a trial on the A43 hopes to demonstrate improvements to existing materials that could do exactly that. Thank you.
But first, the numbers. The man to do this is David Giles from Eurobitium, which makes up one half of the Asphalt Industry Alliance, the other half being the Mineral Products Association. Eurobitume represents the bitumen side of the industry. This is the black binder that forms part of the asphalt, while the Mineral Products Association is from the aggregates side. One of our main activities is the alarm survey. We, we conduct a survey amongst all of the councils, local authorities in England and Wales. Scotland don't play ball with us. They have their own mechanism for doing that within the, the government. And we do this for local authority roads. And here are the headlines. There's a figure that should hit people between the eyes. 11.14 billion it would cost to put our roads into a decent condition. Now, what that means is that every journey in the UK starts and ends on a local authority road. And those roads have been underfunded for many, many years. We've been doing our survey for 25 years. And what it means by being underfunded is that if you had a house, you would plan to paint the windows once every three years and repair the roof every 10 years and make sure the gutters are cleared every winter. And in exactly the same way, that analogy extends to the roads. In order to prevent potholes from occurring... One pothole is now filled every 21 seconds in a reactive intervention, but... You have engineering solutions, maintenance methods, which can keep the road from uh, deteriorating. You can basically take the very top layer off and replace it, or you can spray that top layer and waterproof it using what's called a spray and chip or a surface dressing method and so on. Now, if we had enough money to properly maintain our roads, we wouldn't be spending or needing that 11 billion pounds. That backlog has built up because the highways engineers for many, many years have had a significant shortfall in the amount of money they get to maintain their roads. The average highways maintenance budget dropped by 16% in the last year alone, down to £3.5 billion. So therefore, the symptom of the disease of not enough money is potholes. Potholes are not the cause of problems with the, the road surface. They are the symptom of a disease, and the disease is not properly maintaining the road. You then get that compounded by the fact that the utilities come along, dig up the road and don't properly repair it. And given that there are 1.8 million utility openings, holes in the road every year, you can understand that if you don't have the money to properly repair them because they're not done properly, that causes problems. Sometimes there is an emergency injection of funding, as in 2019, when investment jumped up to 4.1 billion from 3.5 billion the previous year. However, very quickly in 2020 that dropped. Now, can you imagine what's going to happen to our roads when the dialogue between the Chancellor and the organisation that dishes out the money to local authorities goes, well, we need more money for education, we need more money for hospitals and so on. Roads always come uh, very low down on the priority list. And it's only when we get to a a very bad state of repair that the government then suddenly chucks in a load more money, as happened in 
2019. But all you can do when you get that extra money is try to extend the life of some of the roads. You're not going to fix the problem. There is a chronic shortfall of about £1 billion per year that has led to the £11.14 billion backlog. Now, what's important is that money's actually going not just in these highways budgets to the road surface. It's also going to bridges and it's going to footways and it's going to signage and lighting. So we don't actually get when that 16 percent reduces, that cut comes right across the board. And after the Italy incident, the dreadful incident where the bridge collapsed. The Mirandi Bridge outside Genoa in northwest Italy was the road viaduct that collapsed on the 14th of August 2018, resulting in the deaths of 43 people. You can hear more about that in episode 55, Saving Structures with Satellites. The government wanted local authorities to put a lot of attention into bridges. And what happened was the road surface suffered. So the maintenance budgets went down even further. Wherever you are, there's a a significant shortfall in what the engineers say. And these are not people who are inventing high figures in order to try and get bigger budgets. They actually have a statutory duty under the Highways Act to maintain the roads properly. And so therefore their reporting mechanism is part of that statutory duty. So they provide data based upon the real need of maintaining the highway. And they put forward a program of maintenance that would allow them to maintain the road. And then they report to us the shortfall. And this shortfall is hammering the budgets of local authorities. The funding streams, you get some money coming now from local authorities. So it's not just central government. Local authorities are having to go out and borrow money to maintain their statutory duties. So in order to ensure that the roads are safe or as safe as can be within the amount of money available, local authorities are borrowing money and they're using money from their own revenue streams as well as from central government. And an increasing trend is that we see less money coming from central government and more from borrowing and their own coffers. Then we also see that the amount of reactive maintenance, so where there's extreme weather events, that creates a huge burden on the highway. Not only does asphalt soften when it's very hot, when you have freak weather incidents like flooding and so on, that can erode away the foundations of the road. And so we see that causing additional spending. And that's not something that's going to go away. That will get worse. And this is something to remember. A poorly maintained road is not just an aesthetic, discretionary issue. It can cause cars to crash, bikes and motorbikes to throw their riders. It can even damage larger vehicles. Some £22.8 million, according to the AIA's alarm report, is paid out in compensation claims by the road owners every year alone, setting aside the human costs. The situation is getting worse, with just 51% of roads in England now in good condition, meaning they have 15 years or more of life remaining, compared to 55% last year with that rating. 28% of roads are adequate, with between 5 and 15 years remaining. This was 24% last year and 28% the year before. And the number of roads considered to be structurally poor, or with less than 5 years remaining, has held at 21%, although it was at 18% in 2018. 
With budgets constricting further, as successive economic crises have struck the international community, more funding is an increasingly difficult ask. But improvements in technology could help, and a trial being carried out for Highways England on the A43 in the English Midlands could change everything for the industry. Hi, my name's Brian Kent. I'm the National Technical Director for Tarmac. I've been in this position now for 26 years, and primarily my responsibilities are looking at um, research and development. It's getting involved with industry development specifications. It's given national direction to uh, the technical teams throughout the country. Brian is in charge of the trial on the A43. In his time in the industry, he has seen a great deal of change in the demands placed on our road network. And he has seen technology rise to that challenge each time. Back in the 1990s, the, the UK network was deteriorating due to high traffic levels, ever increasing traffic levels. And one of the biggest issues we had was rutting. Rutting is when depressions or grooves start to form in the road. Cracking was also becoming more of a problem. And that couldn't go on. It was always the highways England. They had to do something different because traffic levels were never going to decrease again. There was only one way they were going to go. Back in the 1990s, they introduced a polymer modified hot rolled asphalt and also introduced a product called an SMA. SMA, or Stone Mastic Asphalt. This is an asphalt that has a high content of coarse aggregate, making it very durable and resistant to deformation, making it perfect for high traffic areas. Which was primarily developed in Germany, and they were all about coping with the increased rotting stresses, but also being flexible enough to cope with under, any underground movement, avoid any cracking coming through. So if you have concrete slabs that are moving under heavy traffic and you need something on top of that but it behaves in a certain way that actually restricts the cracking coming through and that's where polymers come into it. These materials and also polymers, giving higher softening temperatures, give an advantage in a warming world. These also help deal with hard braking. See episode 79 on building the new racetrack at Zanfort. So, all in all, polymers give us now options we never had in the past, and they actually all feed into sustainability. You know, one of the big demands now worldwide is sustainability. If we can lay thinner layers, then we have to remove less material in the first place. That's sustainability. Um, if we can improve the durability, that's sustainability. If we can lay fewer layers, then we are using less materials. If we improve durability, that is sustainability. And it also allows us to lay material in the winter months that we may have had to cancel in the past, in December, January, February, because you wouldn't get the chips embedded properly. The material then would not be fit for purpose and it involves significant remedial costs. We now have the option to reduce polymers to actually continue to lay in, in weather that historically we may not have laid. And Brian believes that with this upcoming trial, we may be moving into another revolution for the roads industry. Before we find out about what kind of revolution, Brian tells us how this trial got started. Yeah, well, I, I personally sit on the Highways England Pavement Efficiency Group, uh, and this is a, a supplier, stroke contractor, stroke Highways England consultant 
working group that looks for ways to become more efficient across the whole industry in all aspects and all we do. Shell made me aware that they have now a bitumen that will last longer than the materials we have been using up until now. So, of course, as, as soon as you're approached uh, and you hear something like that, then you want to know more. So they discussed it at the Pavement Efficiency Group and decided to take it to trial to evaluate the claims. And fingers crossed, uh, everything is, is as we're led to believe. And, you know, we start the next step to more durability and more sustainability and more value for money for Highways England and local authorities. Because don't forget, local authorities perhaps don't write their own specifications, but they do use, I think, the Highways England specifications. But anything that goes through Highways England and appears in the specification for highway works, 99% of the time will be adopted by local authorities. So this trial has, has a far wider range than just a small section in A43. The trial itself is to lay 200 tonnes of material on the slow lane of the A43 in the toughest possible conditions. Deliberately choosing the slow lane because that's where you'll get your HDVs, that's where you'll get most trafficking. And really, if we want to test something, we want to test it in most arduous circumstances. The other thing is by laying in January, we come across all the issues I outlined earlier about winter working. The weather potentially won't be great. Um, but what a good test for the material. What a good test for us in terms of being able to make it, to lay it as accurate as it need to be laid, and then monitor its performance in after. Brian is planning the trial as any other job. He won't be telling the team that there is anything special about it and hopes that they just think it was a particularly good night. I asked him to set out the procedure in full. For this particular job, there'll be a high PSV aggregate requirement. PSV polished stone value. So we have to import the stone with the specific skid resistance to deliver the, the properties that the Highways England are asking for. We'll import limestone filler to the unit as part of a constituent, a very important constituent for the mix. We'll import the bitumen and the bitumen will have to be stored at the correct temperatures to make sure we don't do anything to damage the integrity of the bitumen. Um, the asphalt plant is fully calibrated and maintained. There'll be technicians on site taking samples at the unit. There'll be technicians in the cabin making sure everything's going okay. We'll have technicians on site making sure materials delivered, that you know the, the laying requirements are being followed, it's the right thickness, it's been laid at right temperature, it's been rolled at the right temperature before the material gets there. We'll have planers on site planing off the appropriate thickness of old material that we're due to replace. The, the, the squad will be on site with the latest high technology pavers and rollers and everything will be monitored to the nth degree to ensure that this is a fair trial of what is a very exciting solution. It is a very exciting solution that came from the industry trend towards recycling asphalt. To reuse some of the old material is known as wrap. This bitumen is already partially oxidised and therefore aged. However, this is not being used during this trial so as not to introduce an uncontrolled variable. But old material was used to identify how asphalt ages.
one of the big focuses that we've had over the last uh, two or three years has been on the circular economy. And one of the key principles of the circular economy is that materials are, are built to last and that they stay in service for as long as possible. This is Richard Taylor, Global Technology Development Manager for Shell Bitumen, who you might remember from episode 79, Rebuilding Zandvoort's Rollercoaster Racetrack, and episode 65, Every Little Helps. And so if you consider an asphalt pavement, there's an awful lot of energy at the beginning in the construction of the road, in the drying of aggregates, in moving the material to the road. And then there's some uh, activity at the end when a road reaches the end of its life where it comes back for recycling. Asphalt has a good story because it's it's uh, heavily recycled material, one of the most recycled in the world. However, there's, there's always been a focus on performance and longevity. Um, but when you actually look at the end-to-end greenhouse gases associated with road construction, it's clear that the longer a material can stay in service, the better. Uh, and so we started to look at, first of all, recycled material to understand how that recycled material has aged and what are the difference between the old material at the roads at the end of a life of a road and the difference between the starting material. The properties of the fresh materials are well known. But to get samples of used material, Shell has to go and ask owners and contractors for bits of road. Some of these materials are 15 years old, some of them 20 years old. And so basically when a road was coming up to the end of its life for resurfacing, we were taking big samples of material, sending them back to our research and development lab in India and having a really deep chemical look at the difference between the two. And then the next part of the story, the next phase in the story, is that we then started to look at how can we slow down this process? Slow down the process of ageing. At the very, very surface, there's some ultraviolet ageing, but that only penetrates just a few microns of the surface. But most of the ageing of a pavement uh, is because the, the road is taking up oxygen over its life in the same way as a, a metal takes in oxygen and rusts. During the service life of a pavement, it spends a lot of time wet. There are air voids within an asphalt pavement, so the, the material, the asphalt material, has access to air. And what happens as a road uh, takes on more oxygen is that the solid particles in the road, which we call asphaltines, or we call asphaltines, um, the solid particles within the road, they get bigger, and that leads to an increase in viscosity and eventually to an embrittlement of the pavement. And then we lose some of the cohesion, we lose some of the properties of the material, and eventually the road will come to the end of its life. So what they are trying to do, simply, is to prevent the oxygen from reaching these asphaltines. And they are calling this Carafalt Age Safe. But all of this is where you come to after everything else in the process has been tightened up. It is the next step. So from start to finish, what makes for a durable road? I would say the first thing is to really observe the well-established practices for mixed design and installing a road. So there's so much of the problem can be solved by higher binder contents within the pavement, with better compaction, with observing uh, you know, much tighter construction practices. Most of the, of the road construction here in the UK, uh, or a lot of the road construction here in the UK, tends to be carried out at night under artificial lights. Uh, the weather conditions are not always perfect in the UK. Uh, there are some realities that are faced by the road construction industry which don't help in terms of longevity of a pavement. But first, really nail that best practice. 
After that, you can start to look at solutions like polymer modification, which already will actually resist some of the effects caused by the aging. And so if we look at the main state of the art for prolonging the life of road, we'll put polymers into the bitumen. They will reduce the rate at which the road roots. They will also reduce the rate at which the road starts to crack. And so polymers are the kind of state of the art. So we very much wanted to look beyond what is possible with polymer modification. So we started to work on a chemical solution which actually would either would stop the oxygen from actually getting to the asphaltines or would actually it would either prevent it or would actually uh, slow it down the rate at which the, that oxygen would be taken up. This is the age safe and although this is the first trial Richard has been busily working on this in the background with the help of a respected research institute in the field the US Western Research Institute. We filed a patent in the summer this year which is going through the system and the A43 trial will be based on that patented additive formulation so we, we're going to trial a, a number of materials on the trial on the A43. Uh, we already have a mass of lab data and we have a, also have the data from a big collaboration project that we did with the US uh, Western Research Institute. We're kind of bitumen uh, chemistry experts globally. So we have a very, very good body of evidence to suggest that this works in a laboratory setting. The A43 trial will be the first time where we've looked at these additive packages inside of the bitumen in real life. Although there will be follow-up trials in locations around the world, as for the material itself, Richard expects it to be easier to handle. It's exactly the same. We don't anticipate any change. If anything, we expect the material to be easier to handle, easier to install. The aging of a bitumen starts from the from the moment that the bitumen is no longer in the bulk. I mean, there's a small amount of aging that goes on in a tank full of bitumen, but obviously the oxygen access and, and the, the degradation mechanism is just not there. The minute that bitumen gets mixed with the aggregates to make an asphalt, it's in a very thin film, it's in a loose mixture, and the aging process starts. So it's not just a case for us of slowing down the aging in the finished pavement, we're looking at this holistically to say if there is less aging in the very early stages of an asphalt mixture, that should make a better road that should be in better condition when it actually hits the site and goes through the paver. Until the lab tests come back following the conclusion of the trial in a few years' time, Richard will be hoping for some anecdotal signs from the gang. In this particular case, we will want to see whether the material, when it hits the paver, is in better condition than the equivalent material. And so when the bitumen contacts very hot aggregates, you know, inside of the inside of the mixer box at the asphalt plant, from the moment that bitumen hits the stone, there's some degradation. And the first thing for us will be either through anecdotal evidence from the paving gang that the material handles in a better fashion, or from laboratory data when we take samples from the gang, is that material simply in better condition than the equivalent material would have been without the, the new technology. So we will learn something straight away. It is possible to do some accelerated testing in the laboratory, 
The question there is that most accelerated aging tests are dry. That's number one. And so they don't have the water. Secondly, you know, how representative is the material in the lab going to be of what's actually in the pavement under traffic? So we will learn something from the accelerated aging tests that we plan for the trial. However, I don't think that they're going to be that much more valuable other than it's been through the actual mixing and laying process than the laboratory data that we already have. So another thing that people overlook is that the age of the road starts from when you have a square meter in the ground. And so if you start off with a better square meter, then it should follow that that material lasts longer. The second part of the story is if that material ages more slowly than a conventional material when it is in situ, then we will have actually completed the two parts of the picture that, that we're focusing on. So how will we know if the trial has been a success? What I would like to see is, is kind of a significant improvement in what can be achieved in terms of the lifetime of an asphalt pavement. And so, you know, if, if you ask me what success would look like, if, if we say a surfacing lasts 15 years today, if this technology allows it to last 20 years, the significance of that, both you know, from a cost perspective, from a lack of disruption to the traveling public, at a, at a national level, the significance of that could be huge because we're talking about many less interventions to keep the road network running. Richard says that it is a true team effort with everyone needing to play their part, as he explained earlier in his plan for a durable road. And, and so that's really what we're, what we're trying to achieve here is a, is a step change in, in pavement life alongside you know, companies like Tarmac who will also be you know, tightening up everything that they do to, to play their part in the longevity story. You, know, you, can't change, you can't change everything with a binder. And those scary numbers at the start of the podcast? Those hundreds of thousands of kilometres of asphalt, each metre of which is deteriorating, getting a little worse each year. Imagine the multiplier effect of any increased asphalt longevity. Often engineering is at its best when people do not recognise it is there, that it is improving people's lives without their knowledge. It is easy to see and celebrate the tallest building or the longest bridge, but sometimes the really important work is all around us and yet forgotten. Here is Brian again. I think it's sometimes very, very difficult for this industry to demonstrate to the public that it actually is innovative. So if I bought a BMW in the 1970s and then I bought one today, wow, what a difference you'd see. It's there right in front of you. It's visual, isn't it? When I started with Tarmac, I had a pager. There's no such thing as mobile phones. Now you've got your iPhone. You see that visual difference, don't you? In our industry, all the motorists sees is that black pavement that black asshole. He has no idea how far it's developed in the last 20, 30 years to make it safer, to make it more durable, to make it more cost effective. There's so much work going in behind the scenes that unfortunately due to the nature of the industry, the public just doesn't see that innovation and development. But hopefully with more durable roads in the future, the public will have to think about them even less. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. Our producers are Alex Conacher, 
Bernadette Ballantyne, Rian Owen, Ross McPherson, and Tim Sheehan. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Rian Owen. Script editing by Bernadette Ballantyne. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. And our own road to success is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Shell Bitumen, Tarmac, and the Asphalt Industry Alliance. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, on Twitter and LinkedIn.